This is In Front of Our Eyes. I want this court to know that my son is a good man. I uh, want to give my condolences to the Floyd family. What do you miss most about your daddy? Well, I ask about him all the time. I'm Nina Moyni. In late April, Derek Chauvin was convicted of murdering George Floyd. Chauvin kneeled on Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes, while two other officers pinned down his body and a third kept bystanders back. Now it was time for Chauvin to be sentenced. Judge Peter Cahill signaled he would consider what are known as aggravating factors, or facts that make the crime more severe. And on Friday, he did. A sentence for count one. The court commits you to the custody of the Commissioner of Corrections for a period of 270 months. That's 270. That is a 10-year addition to the presumptive sentence of 150 months. This is based on your uh, abuse of a position of trust and authority and also the particular cruelty shown to George Floyd. You're granted credit for 199 days already served. Cahill sentenced the 45-year-old former Minneapolis police officer to 22 and a half years behind bars. The state's attorney general says Derek Chauvin's sentence is one of the longest a former police officer has ever received for an unlawful use of deadly force. Many of Floyd's family members said they wish Chauvin would have received an even longer sentence. Two of his brothers addressed Judge Cahill during victim impact statements, saying while Chauvin would get to see his family again one day, George Floyd won't have that option. And perhaps no one will feel that loss more deeply than Floyd's youngest child, seven-year-old Gianna Floyd. She appeared in a video interview shown in the courtroom. What do you miss most about your daddy? Well, I ask about him all the time. And that's kind of it. Yeah. Well, when you ask about him, what are you asking about? Well, I was asking, how did my dad get hurt? Do you wish that he was still here with us? Yeah, but he is. Through his spirit? Yes. Yes. Chauvin's attorney, Eric Nelson, asked the judge not to let unprecedented worldwide exposure around the case and public opinions impact his sentencing ruling. While this court may consider the community impact, it is for these very same reasons that the court must turn to the foundational legal principles. And remember that justice is blind. Law is built on reason and common sense, and it cannot be permitted to be assailed by public opinion. We also heard for the first time a family member publicly support Chauvin. His mother, Carolyn Palenti, addressed the court on behalf of her son and family. Palenti said although she has remained quiet through her son's entire case, her support for him never wavered. She says the media and prosecution got it wrong when they portrayed her son as aggressive, heartless, and uncaring. My son's identity has also been reduced to that as of that as a racist. I want this court to know 
that none of these things are true and that my son is a good man. Derek always dedicated his life and time to the police department. Even on his days off, he would call in to see if they needed help. Derek is a quiet, thoughtful, honorable, and self selfless man. He has a big heart, and he always has put others before his own. The public will never know the loving and caring man he is, but his family does. When it was Derek Chauvin's turn to address the court, he said he couldn't say much because of his other pending legal matters. Just as he appeared at his trial, he showed little emotion. But he did address the Floyd family in a way that left many wondering, what's coming next? I uh, want to give my condolences to the Floyd family. Um, there's going to be some other information in the future that would be of interest. And uh, I hope things will give you some, some peace of mind. Thank you. When it was time to announce the sentence, Judge Cahill kept his remarks brief, instead referring the public to his 22-page memorandum filled with legal analysis that came along with his ruling. While he did take time to acknowledge the Floyd family's pain and loss, Cahill said he could not and would not base his ruling on public opinion or emotion. I'm not basing it on any attempt to send any messages. A trial court judge, the job of a trial court judge, is to apply the law to specific facts and to deal with individual cases. Still, Mitchell Hanlon School of Law adjunct professor Angie Border says Chauvin's sentence handed down by a state judge could have some impact on his upcoming federal criminal trial for allegedly violating George Floyd's civil rights and the state and federal trials of the three other officers who were present when Floyd was killed. Officers Tutau, Thomas Lane, and J. Alexander King. For the three other officers who have trials coming up, how critical is Derek Chauvin's sentence? Well, it's a little murkier than initially thought because we now have that federal case going in tandem with their upcoming state trial in March 2022. But I would say it's definitely critical. It's critical for plea negotiations, really in both of those proceedings. Plea negotiations are not something that the public is privy to, so we can only speculate on this point. But my guess is that the prosecution team is thinking how they typically think, which is if we don't have to go to trial, we won't. If we can come to a settlement, we will do that because it conserves our resources. And so they are probably still dealing with the defendants, those three officers. If they are watching this sentencing with bated breath, which I'm sure they are, it's really to get a guidepost or a benchmark on what this judge does at sentencing. He is the same judge for their trial. How different are the circumstances around a state case and a federal case? My understanding is they're trying to prove slightly different things in these two cases. Can you talk a little bit about if Derek Chauvin's state case impacts his and the 
other officers federal cases at all? Or is there more distance between the two? I would say you're right on point. They are trying to prove different things. In the state case, they're looking at straight up murder statutes. In the federal case, they're really looking at the deprivation of constitutional rights against unreasonable search and seizure. So we are really looking at whole different strategies. With the three other officers, Tutau, J. Alexander King, Thomas Lane, it's interesting just to note that they're being tried together. The three of them, you mentioned saving time. And, you know, I I had read that Judge Cahill had said, well, it, it may be a good thing to space these trials out so that there's less public attention what are your thoughts about that? Is is that something that's going to be helpful at this point? Because I don't I don't know that anyone will have not heard about this case by then, because I know that was a big concern uh, for the defense and for attorney Eric Nelson was, how are we going to pick a jury? Everybody's heard about this. Does any of that go away with time? <sighs> yes. People's attention spans, especially in the information age, are shorter. And so Feelings do cool over time. Another thing that's key that happens over time, witnesses forget things. I mean, think about it, Nina. Do you remember what you wore last week on Thursday, Friday? No. It was probably the same thing I wore on Monday, Tuesday. Oh, well, that's good. Okay, good. (laughs) Good. But, you know, even thinking about that, now we're supposed to remember things that happened not one year ago, but two years ago. What do you think the significance will be moving forward for members of law enforcement across the country, really, um, having seen how this has turned out for Derek Chauvin and the other three officers involved that they're not only facing state, but federal charges as well? Oh, that is the question. What does the future hold, especially from law enforcement officers? Unfortunately. I think that there's such a strong culture in law enforcement. Um, And part of the culture right now is to feel victimized and to feel as though they've been judged too harshly. Now, I've seen a lot of uh, police officers coming out and really saying some profound things about how they feel about these cases and how they are not that and how Things do need to change. Um, But unfortunately, just like with, say, fraternities or social clubs that have existed for a long time, it's very difficult to change a culture that is part and parcel of the the brotherhood or the family um, feeling of the profession. So I think a lot of law enforcement officers empathize with Derek Chauvin and they see that this federal regime is led by Merrick Garland at the DOJ and that that is a political thing. And so it's going to probably influence a pendulum swing back to an even more polarized political landscape. Folks on one political party's side are going to garner and hone that feeling of we are being harshly judged and we have been attacked and we're being sentenced for merely doing our job. 
we've seen that rhetoric before, Nina, and I think we're going to see more of that. And I do think it's just going to add to this polarized, volatile situation in our country. The hope is that despite the culture, despite the deeply entrenched culture, perhaps this is an opportunity for police departments to look inward and change some of their practices, including use of force and including racial bias. That's the hope. And I think we'd have to seize this moment because it could be one of those last moments before that pendulum swing I talked about where we could become even more polarized and entrenched. Back in May, I talked with Sawana Kirkland, who has had a long law enforcement career working with many departments. She's president of the National Black Police Association's Minnesota chapter. Kirkland has heard a lot of negative comments over the past year. It has been very difficult to hear, um, you know, the comments, the statements being made by community members that, you know, um, we're no better, you know, than our white counterparts. We're no, you know, we don't want what's best for the community. Um, we're sellouts. We're, you know, we're just as bad as as, as those that, you know, commit uh, crimes and violate civil rights. And, and, and I would challenge all of them to say, you know, get to know police officers individually. There is many of us in this state who work day in and day out to help rebuild those relationships, to repair those pathways, to really um, connect and align with the community. We want exactly what the community wants. Um, And we just happen to be law enforcement officers. This podcast was produced by Megan Burks, Nancy Liebens, John Collins, Reham Fishier, Brant Williams, Angela Davis, Jeff Jones, and Kyle Sheely. Our editor was Laura Ewan. Cameron Wiley gave us technical help. Music is by Gary Meister. I'm Nina Moyney. Thanks for listening.